Save the date for the 12th of September. Join our webinar on digital transformation in manufacturing. We are exploring how IoT, AI and smart factories are reshaping our sector. Hear from industry leaders like Airbus, Rolls-Royce and Heriot Watt University. This is a must attend for professionals and decision makers in manufacturing. So register now at resources.red-fern.co.uk slash webinar. That's resources.red-fern.co.uk slash webinar. The link is also in the description. I had a great chat this week with Derek Allen, Managing Director of IoT Horizon. We talked about the internet of things, the art of collecting data and using sensors, and how all that will form the foundation of Industry 4.0. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. From Redfern Media, this is Remake Manufacturing. My guest this week is Derek Allen, Managing Director at IoT Horizon, a company specializing in digital transformation. They help make sense of that nebulous term, the internet of things, helping clients optimize processes, improve productivity, and generate new lines of revenue. So Derek Allen, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Good to have you with us. So long before the term, the internet of things was coined in the early 2000s, people were dreaming about smart homes and factories full of intelligent devices, what first pulled you into this area of technology? To be honest with you, when you look at what's involved in an Internet of Things solution, there's a number of factors. You need to understand about security. You need to understand about software. You need to understand about sensors. And I think my career naturally brought me to this point. In my early days at Hewlett-Packard, looking at how we enterprise technologies, from my days working you know, in the smart card industry and where we were embedding sensors into all sorts of things. I've worked in IT security. And I think for the Internet of Things, you need to be able to put all that into uh, one solution. And yeah, it fascinated me. And I think there were some great opportunities to look at help companies to look at new lines of revenue at the same time. So yeah, that's how I got into it. And for those still scratching their heads, can you explain the Internet of Things, the parameters of that, and, and what these what, what sensors are going into? What, what's the the smallest and the biggest um, stuff that sensors have gone into? What are the current key areas of focus for you? Good question. So the Internet of Things, in a definition, so in industrial terms, we even complicate it further by saying the industrial Internet of Things. So, in terms of what you might put a sensor onto, you know, you, you know, it could be a person or it could be a thing. And why would you do it? What is the business case for doing it? So it's all about smart enabling an asset. So if I think about one of the largest, you know, jet engine manufacturers, you know, they, you know, they don't sell jet engines anymore. They sell air miles because they worry about censoring up the jet engine. They worry about making sure you've got the right people at the right time. They've got all the service engineers. They've got all the parts. So the Internet of Things is about taking you know, any asset and thinking, actually, if I connected you, what could I do? What could I do differently? So it could be that you're a current manufacturer and you're just manufacturing, you know, a boiler system, but it's not a connected boiler system. Why would you want to connect to a boiler system? Well, you, you might want to tell me that, you know, my boiler's about to break. So you've got a sensor on it. And then that would allow you to look at new lines of revenue. In terms of how small you can go, if any of your listeners have ever been on a, any sort of building and seen a smart card, say the size of your bank card, we can shrink that into a grain of rice. 
So in terms of the size, how small do you want to go? Well, a grain of rice sounds like it might not have too many applications. I don't know. Do you make a lot of those? Well, in terms of the applications for that, I mean, if we look at, you know, the current, you know, supply chain risks, you know, there's some interesting statistics from Forbes, you know, there's a lot of counterfeit products in the pharmaceutical industries, you know, the drinks industries. How would you want to prove that something is original? So you might want to use something small like that to validate. Imagine you could tap your phone onto um, something you drink or, or something that you eat. And because of it, it's got an embedded sensor, you've got some security that says, do you know what? This is originated from the manufacturer. We, yes, we do manufacture sensors in terms of the solution itself. You know, so we're doing quite a lot in sort of, sort of smart buildings and air quality at the moment. And we've built some sensors to, to be able to cope with that. So, yeah. Well, well, tell us about the air quality issue then. That, that seems like something that everybody cares about, especially on these, these hot summer days. What are you doing to kind of make sure everyone has good breathable air quality? Well, the, the key thing is, you know, when you're looking at the application for an IoT application is, is, is the potential to get good insight data. You know, lots of people at the moment are using CO2 sensors as a way of looking at, you know, how many people you might have in a room. And that might help you in terms of looking at COVID secure places to make sure that, you know, you've got plenty of ventilation. But at the same time, if you're not measuring your air quality and your ventilation properly, you can also not be as productive. And so some interesting statistics that would say that, you know, your strategic thinking can be affected by 50%. Not only that, your standard thinking can be affected by 25%. So, and that could be at home. You know, if you haven't got a good ventilation at home, you might not be as productive as you'd like. In these hot summer days, there's an interesting statistic that says, for every degree that you go above 27 degrees, you're 4% less productive. So if you've got your workers working in an office environment and it's 30 degrees, they're 12% less productive than they could be. And actually, if that's your biggest cost in your business, then, you know, that might be something you might want to have a have a look at. So, you know, you can, and the other side of it is obviously energy savings. You know, if you start measuring air quality, you get temperature, you can actually see where where people are are in a building. You know, are you heating a part of a building and there's no one there? And we've seen quite a few applications for that. Quite scary, really, where we're heating people, where we're heating rooms, and there's no one in. Yeah, interesting. So, so let's get to IoT Horizon. Do you want to tell us uh, how and why it was born? Uh, how did it evolve into what it is these days? So, IoT Horizon is a started off as a family company. You know, we are based in in uh, in, in Rosendale, in you know, in Lancashire. I migrated north from down south twenty three years ago. And I worked in a Hewlett Packard office in Cheadle, but I wanted to live out in the countryside. So I discovered Rosendale. So that's where we set up our base. It's where I coached rugby for 14 years. It's on the top of the hills there in freezing conditions. So that's where we landed. IoT Horizon, I wanted to build a, with all my experience, build a company where we could focus on IoT, IoT technology. So our first office was in, was in Blackburn. Um, in Heenan Wharf, where we had a, a had an office, we've now grown. So we're more than a family company. We've now got uh, seven staff, um, and we've doubled our turnover since you know since last year. We've got some support locally for the Leveling Up Fund. So we've actually got offices now in Rottenstall, so just by the East Lancs Railway, 
Um, and we also have an office in Daresbury. Pleased to say we do a lot of really good work with the likes of uh, STFC and in Lancashire with the AMRC. So that's where we are. That's what we're doing. And what kind of clients do you typically serve? If you think about some of the largest financial institutions in the world, we're, we're dealing with them right down to brilliant companies like Berry Black Pudding. So I've been sort of blown away really by just, you know, how we've accelerated our growth. But yeah, we've got a nice mix of sort of blue chip companies and SMEs. It turns out everybody could do with uh, the internet of things and, and, and the sensors. So how, how important is it for companies to be agile? A hundred percent. You know, in the, in the work that I've done, I've seen um, companies try and understand what IoT is and they might not have digital champions. And if you're not careful, you can start spending a huge amount of time, you know, in R&D. I remember speaking to one manufacturer that had a, a dossier on what IoT was and it had taken them two years. And I said to him, well, plug that gateway into that port, put that sensor onto that machine and here comes the data. Let's get your engineers around and let's start looking at what that might tell us. So I think actually taking an agile probe is absolutely what's needed. You know, don't spend a huge amount of time doing it yourself. There's some really good experts in, you know, in the space, especially across Lancashire and Merseyside. So, yeah, I think it's really important. Get involved quickly. Look at the business case. Don't throw technology at something necessarily for the hell of it. Make sure you look at the business case. And that's something that we've spent a lot of work on. So we've got an empower process where we help companies look at what the business case is. What would be the financial impact of actually adding that sensor? What would you learn from it? What new lines of revenue would you create? What be the cost for that, the IT security costs? And does it make sense? So, yeah, that's I would definitely recommend an agile approach. It seems like everybody's interested in gathering as much data as they can to find out as much as they can. What's the kind of penetration for Internet of Things and people coming to you to try and monitor their factories? Well, there's a fantastic stat that I like, which says of all the data that mankind has created to date, half of it was created last year and we used something like 0.05%. So actually, you know, we can create lots of data but actually making sure that you've got applications to look at the data and look at the insights is equally as important. Otherwise, you've almost missed the boat. So, you know, certainly the insights can do it. And that's where AI and algorithms are getting really interesting to help automate that process. And, you know, I'm excited, you know, on one building, potentially over a year, we're going to have 1.4 million data points. So when we start looking at the data, we're going to tell you some really interesting insights that you just never knew about your building before you started the project. It's really exciting. I mean, that's a lot of data to wrangle. Remake Manufacturing is brought to you by Redfern Media, the digital agency for B2B manufacturers. We partner with B2B manufacturers to listen, think, create and innovate. To find out more, head over to remakemanufacturing.com and sign up to the podcast, plus manufacturing marketing and technology insights. Now, back to the show. Talk us through a sort of typical project and how. what's the process of actually making sense of what you get from all the sensors? So, first of all, you've let's say we've been through the business case. You know, we've agreed that there is a, you know, a possible phase you know, in terms of having a look at it, then it's a case of then designing what does the architecture look like? You know, what is it that you're trying to measure? From that, we can then specify what type of sensor. It could be a temperature sensor. It could be a differential pressure. It could be, 
you know, humidity, whatever it might be, it could be a vibration sensor. Then you have to think a little bit about, okay, how am I going to connect that to a device or a gateway, you know? And then, and in the old days, of course, it was either wired or, or maybe you could use 3G. Now in the internet of things, there are a lot, number of really low cost, what we call low power networks. The, you know, the, the gateway behind me, for instance, potentially can give you one and a half kilometer read range. And it costs a numpt of a, you know, a penny potentially to send the data. So we would then have to look at how you connect your sensors. You then have to look at the security of that. Certainly, you know, when you start in tracking people, you have to look at the GDPR implications. And we've been doing some really good work with the likes of Lancaster looking at, you know, the security of IoT. Then the next element is actually creating the, the dashboards, you know, making it engaging so that people can look at it and go, wow, that's, you know, that's really interesting. And then helping them then to look at what the trends are. Because what you should do in an ideal world is use that to move to the holy grail of IoT, which is, you know, machine learning, which is it once you've got enough data, you could then start to automate to turn a machine on or off. So tell us a bit more about machine learning. That sounds like a, a fascinating area with lots of opportunities and potential applications. Yeah. Um, the key thing with machine learning is you need lots of data. You need lots of data sets. If you're a manufacturer of a, you know, a, a, a motor, you know, and you've got a lot of motors out there, then you could, you could measure things like vibration. You could measure things like temperature. Now, if you measure that, every millisecond, every second, every six minutes, eventually you're going to start getting a lot of data on your motors. Now, if you can then start to capture, you know, when things go wrong. So let's say, for instance, a motor fails. If the engineers at that moment in time say, oh, I've mended that motor, and the reason is because, you know, the bearings went, then what you can then do over time is start to realize that what did the sensor data tell you before the bearings went? And if you can then start to capture that, all of a sudden in the future, you're going to be able to say, yeah, I under, you know, there's something alert. I can see from the, you know, the, you know, the software that uh, that motor is about to fail because of the, maybe the vibration in the bearings or the sound of the vibration. I've seen that before, but you need lots of data. And that's where, again, here at IoT Horizon, I reach out to any of your audience that are looking at smart <laughs> buildings. We need more data because from that, then we can make better decisions. You know, if I look at the work that we're doing in education, you know, we're, we're convinced that we can improve exam results, but we need more data. So machine learning is about capturing data in a timely fashion, consistent data, and then being able to look at, you know, the algorithms, which to be fair is clever maths, you know, what can you learn from that, you know, to start automating processes. But yeah, the first thing you need is lots of data. Let's talk about uh, the skill shortage in the UK. You're, you're a rugby coach. You, you obviously support a younger generation. When you look, when you go out to factories, when you go out to manufacturing, uh, you see this problem. What's your take and, and what do you think the fix might be? That's a really, really good question. So first of all, I used to be a rugby coach because unfortunately now I'm too old. But yes, <laughs> um, skills is absolutely, you know, it's is is paramount. If I look at some of the, the strategies across some of the counties I'm in, you know, we can see that there's a, you know, a great thrust for, you know, mobile tech, green tech, you know, cybersecurity. IoT is potentially, a, you know, multi-billion, you know, industry worldwide. Um, you're starting to see university degrees that are 
teaching about the Internet of Things. So there is an there is a real important you know reach for universities and colleges to start educating people. Um, we are only we're nearly five years old. I could tell you for the first two years, didn't matter who you were. I did a lot of teaching on what IoT was, and that included catapults, universities, end users, really large companies. So we've spent a lot of time doing that education piece. So, you know, reach out to anyone in, in you know in in the, in the higher levels of excellence that can make a difference. You need to invest in companies that can help educate people on the eye of the part on the possible you know if you look at here in, you know, in lancashire you've got the lights of the advanced manufacturing research center in salmsbury where you can go and see some fantastic technologies you know you can go and you know if you're a graduate what a great place to work you know you can see machine learning you can see robotics you can see additive manufacturing which is 3d printing on scale imagine you know back in my day you know 25 years ago, we were, we wouldn't dream of being able to 3D print in titanium. You can see that at the, at the AMRC. So, you know, technology has moved on quite fast. But the key thing is there is a succinct lack of skills. Everywhere I, I go, there's a, a lack of software developers, you know, because they're losing them to the, you know, to the larger corporate. So, yeah, the, the most important thing for me from an IoT project is having digital champions. And, and if you have a digital champion inside your building, you're far more likely to see a success in that project. But it's about getting those skills. So, you know, we need the likes of the Lank, you know, the, the LEPs and people like that to build more boot camps. You know, there's, I've seen some good boot camps around electronics. Why don't we have more boot camps around IoT? And do you feel like there's enough support from the big players, from the government, for example? My call to government would be to get better investment into SMEs. You know, if you look at some of the Innovate Smart Grants that are out there, you know, we're starting to see multi-thousand applications. It's a very arduous process. Um, I, I do think the government needs to look at how they get funding into SMEs quicker. And broadening the context uh, to Industry 4.0 in general, obviously, uh, Internet of Things is a part of that. Uh, what other things are you keeping an eye on? How do you see uh, the, the, the future moving? It's a terrific question. So if I look at Industry 4, there are, you know, potentially nine pillars, you know, simulation, big data, robotics. Um, they're all potentially joined up. And we keep an eye on all of them. You know, a robot, for instance, can pull itself off, off the floor. So actually a sensor on the robot itself to detect when it's pulling itself off the floor could be kind of useful. If you look at things like 5G, there's lots of investment in, you know, in catapults looking at 5G at the moment. But we need more sensors. You know, what is, you know, everyone's looking over their shoulders is what's the application for that? You know, what are the new lines of revenue going to be? So, you know, we, we do look at it. Um, you know, we do look at the other sort of parts of Industry 4, you know, quite closely. And can you give us a case study connected to Industry 4 uh, that explains how you how you achieved this? Yeah, absolutely. We rolled out a solution actually for the MRC over in Salisbury to be able to showcase, you know, people and asset tracking. And one of our engineers was looking at censoring up the um, some pallet trucks so that, you know, potentially within software when, you know, you want to look at where the pallet trucks are, you can see where it is in your building. And you might be really surprised at just how many 
assets get lost, especially in large, large manufacturers, you know, they lose orders and they have to rebuild them or they get wasted or, you know, you, you're making sandwiches. But in this particular case, I, I did giggle because the, the engineer spent 20 minutes working with security to try and find the pallet trucks to put the sensor on. And it, <laughs> so it was that hallelujah moment is to say, wow, I get it now. And if you think about all the totes that you might have in a distribution outlet or something like that, they might all be hiding in a cupboard. The other one I'd probably let you know is I heard an interesting story with regards to, you know, IT trolleys working in a trust. And, you know, some nurses have been known to hold hide assets because they need it for a rainy day. And again, you know, being able to put a sensor on that to find it. So that's probably the sort of couple of case studies that I would mention. And and if we fast forward 10 years and everything that you're talking about is realized, Industry 4.0 is here and Internet of Things is embedded at the heart of all that, what would have had to have happened for that to come true? Well, there's going to have to be a lot more, more investment from government into Industry 4 companies, I, I think. You know, we're not, we're not on, high up on the league table, so things like, you know, robotics, we need far more investment. There's some great, you know, companies, you know, looking at that. There has to be, you know, a change in culture. We have to trust our SME community to deliver this. I'd, I'd say that most innovation comes from SMEs. If you look at some of our biggest enterprise companies, they all rely on SMEs for innovation. I also think that uh, it's the duty of, you know, universities as, as well as, as, as commercial companies to work harder together to form better partnerships. There's a lot of great IP in universities that never leave universities. How do we exploit that in a safe way that, you know, you know, people aren't always worried about their IP, you know, better that it's exploited than, you know, that we can't pass it on to the next, the next generation. But I think there's a, a lot that we can do to become more innovative. And, you know, here, you know, we need more places where we can go. You know, we, we're very lucky to have an office in, in Lancashire, but, you know, a lot of the innovation, um, teams like Strawberry Fields, they're full up. So we need more investment in innovation hubs and more communities, really. And what's, what's standing in the way of all that happening? If it doesn't happen, what would have gone wrong, do you think? Well, hopefully in 10 years, we'll only be working three days because that's the other thing that you're going to have, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to start looking at, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be displacing, you know, people and, and, and processes. So, Again, you know, do we work smarter? You know, do we, you know, if I take you out of a manual role, do I put you into a smarter role? So in 10 years time, what might have to happen? We might actually have to look at, you know, you know, do we all work nine to six, you know, five or six days a week? Or do we go down to a four day week? I think it's going to be some really interesting times. Absolutely. Uh, well, this brings us to the end of our time, and I'm going to end the show the same way we do every week by asking our guests to tell us the one invention that if it was never manufactured, your life would be unbearable. So what could you not live without? I actually love my NFC and my RFID technologies. And I have a bit of a joke with everybody about the ring that's on my finger, because that ring on my finger is my bank card. And I remember back in the days 20 years ago when I was, sorry, 10, 15 years ago in Paris, and I could put a ring on an Android phone and I could send a text message. Today, I go to, I make payments on my ring. So I love NFC. I love RFID technologies. Scandinavia are really exploiting that. You'll start to see more of that technology coming into retail. There's a huge application for that. So yeah, 
something as geeky as that, as sad as it might sound, but my wife will probably tell me off for not making something far more romantic. Well, no, you just showing me that ring. It makes me want to go out and buy one as well. So it's um, it, it's a lovely little trick to have. Well, take take the ring. Um, imagine you know you want to go swimming in the sea in this hot weather. You know why can't we take the old Nokia bricks that if you if someone did did steal it you weren't going to lose a thousand pounds. You know instead of taking your wallet, imagine this ring on your finger opens the door to your car and it's got your payment on. You haven't got to start carrying too much stuff, you know. So actually, yeah, you know, the miniaturization of technology is happening all the time. You know, you won't have to have a key for your car. You know, you'll have a wearable technology that opens the car. So, yeah, dream on, my friend. Yeah, exciting futures. Well, thanks so much for talking to us. All it leaves me to say is thanks to today's guest, Derek Allen. Thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Subscribe to this podcast in all the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and Google Music. Thanks for listening to this edition of Remake Manufacturing. I'm your host, Stuart Black. See you next time.